Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, mixing music. If you are a musician into recording or you're just curious what mixing is all about, this episode is for you. I'll walk you through what the heck mixing even is, some of the strategies I use for mixing my own music, and we'll even break down one of my mixes together on the show. So there's lots of tips and tricks in this one, and it's all coming up in just a minute. Welcome to the Royish Good Looks podcast, episode number 16. My name is Roy, and this is the show where I talk about my journey as a musician, YouTuber, recording engineer, and anything and everything having to do with being an artist and a creator. If you're a creative person yourself, then you are in the right place. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment or review. And if you'd really like to support the show and my music, consider signing up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash royishgoodlooks. Patrons get all sorts of cool perks. Either way, thank you for joining me today, and let's get on with the show. So far on the podcast, we've talked a bunch about songwriting, a little bit about arranging, and a little bit about production. The last few episodes have been a really fun deep dive into how I've made some of my own songs. We will definitely do more of those episodes, but we haven't really talked in depth about one particular topic in making music, and that is the actual mixing of the music. Mixing is complicated, to say the least, but it is one of the most fun parts of the process, so let's talk about it. If mixing music is a totally new concept to you, it is sort of like what you've probably seen on TV or in movies, but in my studio, I don't have a big mixing console like you might expect. I do all of my mixing on the computer. Basically, all the fancy equipment you've seen in a typical recording studio is simulated inside of recording software. So every instrument in the song lives on its own track in a virtual mixer, and you can change their volumes up and down, change their panning left and right, you can add effects, and you can even group a bunch of tracks together and treat them like they're all one single instrument. For example, it's really common to group all of the drums together, kick drum, snare drum, tom-toms, cymbals. Instead of processing them all one by one, they get submixed together, and that can help make them sound a little bit more cohesive and glued together and also speed up the process. The idea is you have control over all of the elements that you've recorded, and you pretty much have infinite flexibility to blend them all together however you see fit. There's a great quote by Butch Vig from the film Sound City. He says, the recording console is like the center of a spaceship. If you're gonna fly to Mars, then you need something with all the master controls. He's obviously talking about a big physical recording console with lots of faders and buttons and knobs, something 
you can actually put your hands on. But it's the same thing, even if you are in the computer, that's your command center. I just think that's such a cool way to look at it. You've got all of the controls at your fingertips, and maybe you're not flying to Mars, but you can still have a ton of fun with it. If you are into recording or mixing, especially if you are someone that only works on a computer, Sound City is a must watch. And it's actually free on YouTube right now. So check it out. So you've got all these tracks, all these instruments in the song, and you've got to mix them together. But what the heck do you do? What does it even mean? to mix tracks together? And how do you know if you're doing it right? This is the complicated part about mixing. There is no singular answer. Asking, how should I mix my song? It's like saying, what should I eat for dinner? Well, what kind of food do you like? What kind of mood are you in? What's the occasion? There are a lot of possible answers. Hopefully, something quote-unquote good the funny thing is, the same song could be mixed a bunch of different ways and still be a good mix, even if it sounds completely different. It all comes down to your taste. What do you personally like? And I can't tell you what you like, but I can tell you how I approach my own mixes, and maybe that will help inspire you. Everything in your song has a cumulative effect. How you mix one track will inevitably affect another, or rather, it will affect your perception of other tracks, and sometimes the entire mix too. Now, I know I'm talking like a madman. There's a lot of philosophy behind mixing, so let's actually pull up some tracks and mess around with the mix together. That way, you can hear exactly what I'm talking about. Let's bring up the drum tracks from my song, Rogue Squadron. Even inside just this drum set, there is so much to keep track of. There are microphones close to the kick and snare and toms, which are really dry and percussive. And there are overhead microphones above the kit, which capture a little more natural ambiance and also the cymbals. And there are room mics that are sort of trashy sounding and ill-defined. So there's really a dozen or so different tracks to work with and a dozen different sounds that you could feature. The blend of all those different microphones, all those different tracks, will change the sound dramatically. If you push up the close mics, the kick drum and snare drum, you can make it sound really tight and punchy. Or you can rely on the overheads for the bulk of the sound and you'll get a more open and natural tone. Or you can push up the room mics and make it sound more reverberant and less focused. So you can see how this is a ton of fun already, and all we've done is change the volume of a few drum tracks. Now let's bring in the bass guitar.
It's split up into two different tracks. One is the big fat low end, and the other is the crispy top end. And just like with the drums, we can shape the tone and character even with just these two tracks. If you want it more mellow and rounded, then you want to feature more low end. But if you want it really aggressive and in your face, then you want to feature that crispy, distorted high end. Now that we're starting to add more instruments, this is where it gets trickier. How loud should this instrument be in relation to that instrument? With the bass, I try to lock it in with the kick drum and the snare drum. They're all sort of a unit. They need to work together. They're kind of like the foundation of the mix. If there's too much bass and not enough drums, then that foundation is going to be sort of muddy and not have enough rhythm and oomph behind it. And vice versa. If there's too much drums and not enough bass, then the foundation is going to be weak and empty. It's time for the guitars now. Luckily, this song is pretty straightforward, which is why I picked it for this example. There's only two guitar tracks, so there's not a lot to mess up. If we push them up, it'll make the track sound really rock and roll. Or if we keep them a little subdued, it'll sound more like a typical pop song where the focus is more on the groove and the depth of the bass and the drums. Instead of being a feature, the guitars become more of a background instrument. You'll also notice the volume of the guitar is now changing the perception of the bass and even the definition in the drums. But we haven't changed those instruments at all. The quieter the guitar is, the more clanging you're able to pick out of the bass and the more attack you can hear on the drums. The louder the guitar is, the more those clanging and percussive sounds get sort of lost in the noise. For this genre, pop punk, punk rock kind of style, the guitars are definitely a big part of the sound. So I try to find a point where it feels full, but not so much where it's overbearing because you can make it too rock and roll. And that might sound cool, but you still need to leave some room for the vocals. The vocals are so important. If you can't hear the singer, I mean, that's just not an option in my book. The lead vocal should be front and center. That's why it's called the lead vocal. Maybe if the genre is indie or more experimental, you might bury the vocal under the guitars a little bit. But if they're too low, you can't quite make out the lyrics. And to me, it makes it feel like I have to squint to find the singer in the song.
but it does let the band speak through a lot more. The guitars and the bass become more of a focal point again. Of course, there's a point where the vocals can be too loud. It's nice to hear them, but if they're too prominent in the mix, then they can feel kind of disconnected from everything else. Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron, all wings reporting, Rogue Squadron. Just like every instrument, there's a sweet spot where you can hear it clearly, where it's not lost, but it's also not poking out and distracting. And not just the lead vocals, you also have to balance the harmonies in the backgrounds. You obviously want to hear them clearly too, but you probably want to leave them a little quieter so you don't wind up drowning out the lead vocal. Now that we have all the tracks playing together, this is where the mix gets even more tricky. It's inevitable that some of the tracks are going to compete with one another. It might be hard to hear the vocals if the guitars are too loud. It might be hard to hear the drums if the bass is too loud. And it might be hard to hear the guitars if the cymbals are too loud. The more instruments in your song, the more these problems are going to come up. There's only so much sonic landscape you have to work with in a mix. There's this great mixing adage if everything is loud, then nothing is loud. So sometimes you have to pick and choose which elements are allowed to be featured at all. Something is going to have to compromise, but in the end, that's what makes a well-defined mix. Now, of course, there is a lot more to mixing than just changing the volumes, but it really is the most powerful tool you can start any mix with. Getting that overall track balance right sets you up for the rest of the mix when you start adding effects. It's really easy to jump right into a mix and go down the rabbit hole of adding effect after effect, hoping that will magically solve all the issues in your mix, when really all you probably need to do is spend a little bit more time adjusting the volume of a few tracks so that the blend is just right and then the effects are like the icing on top. This song has already been mixed, so we're listening to it with a lot of effects on. There's EQ, compression, distortion, reverb, limiting, and all sorts of processing to further enhance the clarity and the energy of the mix. There's no way we could talk about all of those effects today, but I'd love to show you a before and after of some of the more prominent effects. I'm going to play the mix and then remove all of the EQ or the equalization. The difference isn't overly dramatic. The track volumes stay relatively the same, but if you're listening closely, you can hear it loses some of the more pristine definition. It sounds a little cloudier to me. And that's one of the goals with EQ. It's your tone control. It can't mix the song by itself, but it helps clean it up. Now I'll take off all of the compression. This is where it goes from 
feeling like a rock song to feeling really loose and awkward and unfinished to me. It just loses so much energy and momentum without the compression. All of the dynamics are just either kind of stale sounding or they're too wild. The drums don't have as much impact. The bass isn't quite as fat. The vocals especially suffer with some words dropping in and out. The whole mix just falls apart. Compression is really interesting because it's not necessarily a tone control. It's actually controlling the volume of tracks, but it does impart a lot of character and density as a side effect from that. I suppose it would be remiss not to mention reverb. It's sort of the last saving grace for this mix right now as we deconstruct it. So here's the mix without any reverb or delay. Obviously, it dries up the vocals a lot. The snare drum loses some of its sustain in ambience. Overall, the song just sounds so stale and boring. So now that we've pretty much ruined the mix, let's compare one last time this raw mix without a ton of effects, and then we'll bring in the finished mix. see how having that foundation of the track volumes is really key. It doesn't change all that much, it just gets better, which is obviously the point of mixing. The song is already there, everything's recorded, you just have to figure out how to enhance that and bring out the best qualities in it. The last thing I'd like to leave you with is that you have to remember that mixing is all about perspective. So when it starts sounding good and you've been working for a while, you've got to give yourself a break and give your ears a chance to refresh five minutes, an hour, even a day. It's hard to make a perfect mix, but it's even harder if you don't take breaks and try to regain your perspective. One thing is for sure, you won't hear it exactly the same the next time you return to it. And that's usually a good thing. It gives you an opportunity to be able to spell check your mix without being totally biased. If you don't take that break to step away, you're probably just going to do more damage than good. And I have been there and it's absolutely no fun. So don't beat yourself up mixing for 10 hours straight. Try to work as fast as you can. Take a break and come back to spell check it and revise it later. To be fair, there is really a lot more to mixing than we could have ever covered today, but I think that's more than enough to get you started, though. I know I say this every episode, but we'll probably continue this in a part two another day. So if you're watching on YouTube, leave your comments and questions below. I am always happy to talk about mixing and recording, making music. So don't be shy. I would love to hear what you thought about this episode and get a conversation going. And if you are listening and you're a musician or you do record your own music, if you would like a second opinion or some more tips and tricks, well, you can get exactly that at the art review tier on my Patreon. 
Every month, I will check out what you're working on and give you my personal feedback. Whether you're making music, YouTube videos, or podcasting, I am here to help you. Plus, you can bounce ideas off of other patrons and check out their work as well. Think of it as sort of a mastermind group. And even if you aren't a creative person, but you would like to help support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. And patrons get a ton of other cool perks, like asking me anything, Star Wars, songwriting, recording, YouTube, whatever you want to ask, I will give you an answer. And I might even answer it on the show. You'll get exclusive bonus songs every month. And you can even get your name listed as a producer on new podcasts and new YouTube videos. There's something for everybody. It's a whole community, and I would love for you to be a part of it. Plus, you'll be helping support the show and my music, which I really appreciate. If that sounds cool to you, sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash royishgoodlooks. Otherwise, give me a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at royishgoodlooks. Join our private Facebook group called Royish Good Looks. And whenever you're listening, share the podcast episodes in your feeds and tag me. It really does help, and I can't do it without you. Either way, thanks for listening today, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.